As spring training rolls on, Mike Elias and the Orioles front office just continues to try to really churn the bottom part of that 40-man roster, looking for any depth, any diamonds in the rough that they can. And over the last two days, they picked up two different relievers, two former AL East foes that could help the Orioles bullpen in 2024. We'll talk about those two guys, plus who was taken off the roster because of it. Coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're talking about the two relief pitchers that the Orioles picked up over the last two days, getting left-hander Matt Crook from the New York Yankees and right-hander Caleb Ort from the Philadelphia Phillies. Talking about how each of them are definitely roster bubble guys, but could help this bullpen and why I'm much more excited about one than the other. And then we'll run through the three guys who the Orioles ended up DFAing over the last few days and what their chances are of staying with the organization and why I think some were warranted and others would have liked to see them stick around on the roster. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers can join today and you'll get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. So let's jump into it because the Orioles added to the roster over the weekend and it started on Sunday. And this has been a big time trend of Mike Elias in the front office. And, And a lot of this is actually Eve Rosenbaum's job, who is kind of scours the waiver wire for anyone and everyone who could help the Orioles. And Eve has been very, very busy throughout this offseason because the O's have been very busy on that waiver wire. And like they've done with a number of players, Tyler Nevin and Nick Maton and Peyton Burdick and others around the league, the Orioles, when seeing a player getting DFA'd by another team, have decided, hey, we are 29th on the waiver wire. It's going to be tough for any of these players who have any kind of upside at all to get to us. So instead, let's jump the line and offer that team that DFA'd them a little bit of money so they'll just trade them to us for some money instead of having to wait for the waiver wire. And the Orioles did it again twice over the weekend. And we'll start with the move they made on Sunday as they did it acquiring left-handed pitcher Matt Crook from the New York Yankees. Crook was DFA'd earlier in the week by the Yankees and the Orioles jumping the line, giving the Yankees a little bit of cash. Now, Crook, I am... Endlessly intrigued by Matt Crook. I think I had stumbled across him while he was still with the Yankees. He made his Major League debut last year. Didn't pitch against the Orioles, but did throw in a few games. He is a fascinating pitcher, and even if he doesn't make the roster, even if he doesn't contribute to the Orioles in 2024, I'm just going to be fascinated to see if he comes to spring training with the O's and can put on a show. Now, he's a 29-year-old left-handed pitcher who was a fourth-round pick of the San Francisco Giants all the way back in 2016, and he didn't stay with the Giants for long. He was part of the Evan Longoria trade as Crook was traded to the Rays in a package of prospects that sent Longo to the San Francisco Giants after the 2017 season. He bounced around a bit in the Rays system, got up to the high minors, but never made it to the 40-man roster, never made it to the big leagues. And the Yankees selected Crook from the Rays in the 2020 Rule 5 draft. So he goes to AAA in 2021 with the Yankees and... 
pretty good. 317 ERA as a starting pitcher. Then he goes to AAA again in 2022, and once again, solid as a starting pitcher. He threw 139 innings, 409 ERA, 26% strikeout rate, pretty good. 12% walk rate, an issue, but not a crazy huge issue. And there was really, really intriguing stuff there. But the Yankees were concerned about the walks, and they had a solid amount of starting pitching. So in 2023, the Yankees decided to move Crook to a full-time reliever. And that is what they did in AAA last season, hoping that would give him a better path into the big leagues. And honestly, it was quite good, depending on how you look at it in AAA. He threw 34 innings for Scranton Wilkes-Barre, the Yankees AAA affiliate, and had a 1.32 ERA. The Yankees really liked that. He had a 39% strikeout rate. Remember, league average is right around 22% for the amount of batters you're striking out. He was striking out two of every five batters he was facing in AAA. That is absurd. He also had an equally absurd 18% walk rate. League average is about 8%. Here was more than double the walk rate. But in 34 innings in AAA for the Yankees last year, Crook allowed 10 hits. So yes, he was struggling with the command, but when he was anywhere near the strike zone, 10 hits and a 39% strikeout rate. That is absurd. Now, when I generally see those numbers and hear those numbers, and from a left-handed pitcher, who do I think about? I think about, oh, this guy must be in the DL Hall mold. Ridiculous stuff, upper 90s fastball, wipeout slider. He was trying to be a starter. It just wasn't working out. And he was really good as a reliever, but the walks are still the issue. And it's just because he's a fireballer from the left side and hasn't quite honed it in perfectly yet. That's who I was imagining. But then you look into the stuff, and this is what makes it fascinating. Now, he did make his Major League debut in 2023. And he pitched in four games for the Yankees, debuted in June, had a couple more appearances after that. It wasn't good. In four innings with the Yankees, he allowed 11 runs on eight hits, three strikeouts, six walks, and a homer. Not great. It was much better in AAA. But again, you're thinking about, okay, this high-velocity, high-stuff guy who just can't quite find the strike zone. Then you look at his fastball, which he doesn't throw a four-seam fastball. He throws a sinker. His sinker averages on a good day 89 miles per hour. Let me say that again. On a good day, he is 89. If Matt Crook is really firing one in there, like with all his might, it's like 91 miles per hour on the sinker. That is not the guy you imagine striking out but also walking that many hitters. But it is a fascinating, I say that word again, pitch mix for Matt Crook. It's about 40% sinkers is what he throws. Again, 89 miles per hour. But opponents' average exit velocity is about 80 miles per hour against that pitch. It's essentially slow ground balls. A 56% ground ball rate on that sinker is fantastic. Average exit velocity, fantastic. And a 102 stuff plus, which means just by the stuff, it's an above average pitch. Basically, guys just beat that pitch into the ground. Doesn't really matter the velocity. His sinker once by a scout, I believe this was in Baseball America, and shout out to the guys over at Orioles on the Verge for finding this, a scouting report from a couple of years ago. They compared his sinker to that of Zach Britton's. They said for everything but velocity, for movement, for the arm plane and the arm slot it comes out of from the left side, it's just the velocity that's the difference, but hitters still look almost as bad against Crook in the minors as they used to against Britton in the majors. That is some high praise right there. But here's the thing, it's a sinker 
that gets a lot of grounders, but that's not a strikeout pitch. So how's he striking out 39% of the hitters? Well, he's using a pretty good cutter. Now that pitch is about 86 and it kind of works as a separate fastball for him. It's got a 43% whiff rate, which is really good. And that thing also gets a lot of ground balls, a 54% ground ball rate on the cutter. But still, you're looking at sinker cutters with high ground balls. You're like, how does he get these strikeouts? Well, in comes the sweeping slider. The sweeper for Matt Crook might have been the best sweeper in all of AAA baseball last year. And that is why he strikes out so many hitters. Now, for some reason, he only threw it 23% of the time, despite how elite this pitch is. It's about 81 miles an hour, big sweeping slider across the zone. He's got kind of a funky delivery. It's almost like a three-quarter to a little below three-quarter arm slot, and the ball just kind of whips out of his hand and has this late break on the sweeper. I, I tweeted out a video from it on Locked on Orioles on Monday. But it's got a 57% swing and miss rate on the sweeper. When guys swing at that sweeper, he throws more than half the time. They are coming up empty. Among major league pitchers who threw at least 100 sweepers in the 2023 season, only Jordan Hicks, an elite reliever who got a big-time deal this offseason, had a higher whiff rate. That was at 59% than Crook's 57% on the sweeper last year. It is a crazy pitch. It's got a 113 stuff plus, which means it's really, really good on just the raw data of the pitch. Here's some of the issue. Only 25% of Crook's sweepers end up in the strike zone. Now, the pitch is so nasty that he gets a lot of chases on it, and he still has success. But if you are a hitter and you can identify the sweeper out of the hand, you really should just lay off because three-quarters of the time, it's going to be a ball, and eventually guys just lay off of it when they're smart hitters, and that's why he walks so many guys. Despite a good sinker, despite a good cutter, his stuff is just not in the strike zone. And there are pitchers who have success with well below 50% in-zone rates in the major leagues. And that's right around what Crooks is for his entire arsenal. But when that sweeper's so good, you got to get it in the zone just a little bit more to keep guys honest. Now, he also throws a changeup about 13% of the time. And oh yeah, it's got a 105 stuff plus. It's got a 49% swing and miss rate. That's a really good pitch too that he can use to get righties out. Basically... Matt Crook is this guy who has this crazy sweeper, this really interesting sinker, two other intriguing pitches. His average exit velocity total would have been the lowest in Major League Baseball this year had you translated his numbers to the majors. You just got to get him to throw more strikes. And Eric Longenhagen, the lead prospect analyst over at Fangraphs, who I go to for a lot of my prospect stuff, did put Crook in his Yankees write-up. He actually did his 2024 preseason Yankees list already, did it back in December, and he ranked Crook 36. He actually ranked exactly 36 Yankees prospects. So Crook was the last guy on the list and basically talked about how, yeah, he's got some command issues, but he can still flummox hitters at the big league level if just one more thing clicks for Crook with that command. And that is what the Orioles are going to be hoping for here. And he has two minor league option years left, which means if the O's really like him, they can just send him to AAA to begin the season and continue to work on that command. And if he can be Zach Britton-ish with a devastating sweeper, I mean, he's never going to be Zach Britton because Zach Britton's sinker was 97 and this one's 89, but it's ridiculous stuff to watch. Now, here's the flip side of it. It's not just the command. It's that it is really tough in Major League Baseball 
in 2024 and beyond to only throw 89 with a fastball and have consistent success. His velocity on his sinker is even to that of Tim Hill, kind of an interesting sidewinding lefty reliever who's been with the Padres as basically a middle relief arm for the last few years. Like, he's been a solid major league reliever, don't get me wrong, but he's not like this crazy strikeout guy. He's more of a ground ball guy that you go to. The guys who have lower velocity than Crook are guys like Hill, guys like Tyler Rogers for the Giants, who's the most like extreme submarine pitcher in baseball, guys like Rich Hill, who's 43 years old. These are really the only guys in the majors who are throwing fastballs or fastball-type pitches, you know, four-seamer sinkers, slower than Crook is. So it's going to be an uphill battle because of that and the command. But the pitch mix is so crazy, the Orioles had to take a chance here, and I'm happy they did. I'm happy they went and got him. You have maybe another opening for a lefty in the bullpen with D.L. Hall over on the Brewers. Now Cole Irvin being elevated to the rotation to at least begin the season. I mean, you know you'll have C.N.L. Perez and Danny Coulomb in there, but there's room, certainly, for a third lefty to make that bullpen. And Keegan Aiken's going to be in the mix, and Nick Vespi's going to be in the mix, and Tucker Davidson's going to be in the mix. But I'm throwing Matt Crook in there right with those guys. I'm just very intrigued to see what he can do, and... I'm going to make a prediction. He'll pitch for the Orioles at some point this year. I don't know if it'll be opening day because he does have options, but he's going to pitch for the O's this year. And I'm really intrigued to see with what this Orioles coaching staff on the pitching side can do with him. And just if you could tweak the command just a little bit, it could be nasty coming out of the left side. But Matt Crook was not the only former AL East relief pitcher that the Orioles acquired over the past few days. On Monday, they picked up another one. And I'll admit it, a, a much less exciting one, this one in right-hander Caleb Ort. We'll talk about his numbers and what he could bring to the Orioles coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. We are talking passion, drive, and patience. That's what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber and not cash. So with all the parts you need at prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. So the Orioles picked up Matt Crook in the basically glorified waiver claim from the Yankees over the weekend, and he was the, we'll say, much more exciting waiver wire relief pickup that the O's got over the last few days. The other one happened on Monday evening as the Orioles did a very similar thing with Caleb Ort and the Philadelphia Phillies. Ort, who was DFA'd on Monday by the Phillies to make room for Whit Merrifield on their roster, who they had signed to a one-year deal over the weekend. And the O's jumped on it. Again, jumping the waiver wire, sending a little cash the Phillies way, and going to get 32-year-old right-handed pitcher Caleb Ort. Now, Ort's had an interesting journey to big league baseball. He was not drafted after pitching at a small college. He was pitching an indie ball, and the D-backs found him and signed him in 2016. Then he signed with the Yankees in 2017. Then he was taken by the Red Sox from the Yankees in the minor league phase of the 2020 Rule 5 draft. 
And he debuted in the big leagues for one game in September of 2021 with the Red Sox. But he was kind of an up-down reliever in 2022 with Boston, and frankly, it, it wasn't very good. 28 and a third innings with the Red Sox in 2022, a 6.35 ERA, well below average strikeout rate and walk rate. It, it just wasn't great. Now, it got a little bit better for Ort early in the season last year, but still not great. 23 innings for Caleb Ort, who made the team out of spring training. It was still a 6.26 ERA. Now, the 22% strikeout rate was better, 8% walk rate was better, but he's also an extreme fly ball pitcher. 70 really 30% ground balls, which is a very, very low number. Now, that plays a little better at Camden Yard than it does at Fenway Park. But he had an injury issue, had some right elbow inflammation in July, and he did have really good stats in AAA in 2022, and he only pitched 12 innings in AAA last year, but also had good stats before the injury. But that inflammation in his elbow in July shut him down for the rest of the season. Now, supposedly he is healthy at this point, and that's why he's been bouncing around teams. The Red Sox waived him at the end of the season, then he was claimed by the Mariners. Then the Mariners DFA'd him, and he was claimed by the Marlins. Then the Marlins DFA'd him, then he was claimed by the Phillies. And then the Phillies DFA'd him, and he was claimed by the Orioles. That is all just this offseason for 32-year-old Caleb Ort. Now, he's got big league experience, and he's got actually much more big league experience than a guy like Matt Crook. Matt Crook's got four big league innings. I mean, Caleb Ort has over 50 at this point. That's a big difference. But we've also seen a lot more of Ort, and we've seen a six ERA guy with not very inviting stuff. Now, the Orioles may see something here, one of his four pitches, whether it's the four-seamer, the slider, the cutter, or the changeup that they like, and they want to tweak and can be good. But of all the pitchers the Orioles have gone out and gotten, whether it's in a waiver claim or a trade or even a minor league deal this offseason, to me, Caleb Ort is the least exciting of them all. I can do all my digging that I want, I don't see much with Caleb Ord. He's essentially a depth arm at this point, and I doubt he makes the opening day roster. And honestly, I bet he probably ends up on waivers and the Orioles DFA him even before opening day, and he's not much of a factor. I mean, he's a big-time four-seam fastball guy. He throws hard, right? He averages 96, and he throws his fastball 72% of the time, almost three-quarters of the time. Opponents hit 250 against it, but they don't really swing and miss. It's not an amazing pitch. It's okay. And then other than that, it's mostly a slider that he throws about 23% of the time. It's got an okay whiff rate, but like opponents hit 423 against it last year. And then he'll toss in a cutter and a changeup at times, but he really barely threw those pitches last season. Maybe he overwent some sort of overhaul. You know, something similar that happened with Danny Coulomb where he didn't have great numbers. Then he had big surgery. The Orioles got him and he was a different pitcher. Maybe that's happening here with Caleb Ort. He's just truly a depth arm. And honestly, for him, I really don't see it. Again, I could be proven wrong, right? He's pitched a lot in the AL East facing these other teams, those back-to-back -back years with the Red Sox. I just, I don't see it. I would much rather see a guy like Matt Crook make the team with the exciting numbers and the stuff that he has than Caleb Ort. Ort, I just... I don't know, doesn't excite me much, hasn't had success, has had a solid sample size, the stuff isn't very good. But what he is, is another arm to have in camp, and with the Orioles facing these injuries to John Means and Kyle Bradish and having guys move up from the bullpen to the rotation and needing more bullpen depth, like that's what these moves are about. They need more bullpen depth now than they thought they would need a couple of weeks ago, and so they were going into the waiver wire to try and find some interesting guys who they think, hey, you know, we have now four open bullpen spots instead of two, because you move Wells and Irvin into the rotation, so we can afford to take a few more flyers on these relievers and see what they can do for us in camp. 
and then go from there. It's you know never an issue to bring these guys into camp. But the issue with these moves, I would say, over the last few days is that when the Orioles started making these moves, they had a full 40-man roster, which means when you claim these players or pick them up in these minor trades for cash, you also have to DFA someone. That hadn't been the case for most of the offseason for the O's, but now that they have a full 40-man, they have to make a few tougher decisions. There were actually three players who were DFA'd over the past really four or five days, I believe, for the Orioles, and we'll talk about them and whether or not I was excited at all about the prospect of any of those three being Orioles, that's coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. You can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 bucks just if your bet wins, you can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. So with the Orioles bringing in left-hander Matt Crook from the Yankees, with the Orioles bringing in right-hander Caleb Ort from the Phillies by way of many other teams and the Red Sox to start it all, they had a 40-man roster that was full before then, so they had to make some tough decisions. And we'll start with the Caleb Ort move, because that was the most recent. The Orioles ended up DFAing outfielder Peyton Burdick to make room for Ort. And if you've been listening to this podcast over the past week, Burdick was someone I was pretty excited about. The Orioles had acquired Burdick in one of these similar waiver claim trades about a week ago from the Miami Marlins. And I was really interested in Burdick because he's a younger, you know, former prospect, right-handed hitting outfielder who, you know, can play all three outfield positions, can, can play in center, has a good arm out there, he can run pretty well, and he's got insane power at the plate. His exit velocity numbers, when he makes contact, he's hit some ridiculous balls in the past. Again, he had a 13% barrel rate in AAA last year. That would have led the Orioles had he been on the O's. Just truly some insane numbers. However, he's got a gigantic gaping hole in his swing. And that's why in the two different stints he's gotten with the Marlins in the big leagues over the past two seasons, despite success in the minors, he hasn't translated it to the big leagues at all because big league pitchers know where that hole is and they attack it and Burdick really struggles, swings and misses a lot and strikes out a lot. But the fact that he can play the position defensively, the fact that he can throw, the fact that he can run, the fact that he has that power, I thought if the O's can try to fix that hole in the swing, he's simply a better option for a backup center fielder who hits right-handed, which is what the Orioles want. He is a better option there than Ryan McKenna is. And I really thought he had a chance to make this team, or even if he didn't, play a part on this roster this year. And he had minor league options as well. I thought it would be a good fit. Orioles, I'm sure, still hoping he does pass through waivers and stick in the organization. I'm hoping that happens too, because if he does that, he will stay in big league camp with the O's and hopefully get a shot to still win a position on this team. But now that he is out there on waivers, everybody's got a chance to pick him up as well. And so we will see and, and hope that he does stick around with the O's. Now to get Matt Crook in here, the Orioles DFA'd utility man Diego Castillo. And even if you are a big sicko and Orioles head and listen to this podcast every single day, you might say, who is Diego Castillo? Connor, you talk about pretty much every player on the 40-man roster. You've never mentioned Diego Castillo. That's because in between the time the Orioles claimed Diego Castillo from the Phillies and then DFA'd him, 
I didn't even have time to do one episode where I mentioned it. That's how quick the turnaround was for Diego Castillo. The Orioles claimed Castillo off waivers from the Phillies on Friday, and then on Sunday, they DFA'd him. What a time it was for Castillo with the Orioles. And honestly, it has been an unbelievable offseason for Castillo. If you remember last offseason, what happened to Lewin Diaz, who eventually ended up with the Orioles and was basically their starting first baseman in AAA Norfolk for most of the year. He was with the Marlins and the Braves and like got bounced around and DFA'd by like three other teams before finally making it to the Orioles, passing through waivers and staying in the organization. It's been a kind of similar offseason for Castillo, who finished the year with the Arizona Diamondbacks. They DFA'd him. The Mets claimed him. They DFA'd him. The Yankees claimed him. They DFA'd him. The Phillies claimed him. They DFA'd him. The Orioles claimed him. And they DFA'd him. And now we were sit and wonder, could Castillo pass through waivers finally and stick with the Orioles in AAA? Or will he be claimed once again by another team? Considering what has happened so far this offseason, I'm going to go ahead and guess that he probably gets claimed by another team and the Orioles don't have him. But I understand the reason why the Orioles went and claimed him in the first place. Now, he only played in one game with the D-backs at the big leagues last year. He was basically at AAA with Arizona all season, but he was pretty good there. 313 average, 431 on base, 410 slugging, a 113 WRC plus is basically an everyday player at the AAA level. And he is a super utility man. Just, I mean, at the big league level alone, he has already, in just one big league season basically, played all four infield positions, first base, second base, shortstop, third base, and between the minors and majors, has played left field and right field as well. Like, you're not going to find a better utility guy in terms of how many positions they play than Diego Castillo. Only things he haven't done is caught, pitched, and played center field. That's about it. Like, that's a really valuable player. 26-year-old right-handed hitter. The issue is it's just, it's no power, right? It's a very light hitting bat now he he gets on base a little bit and he's hit in the minors didn't really hit in the majors in his first chance he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2022 and they gave him a solid chance he got 283 plate appearances with the Pirates in 2022 but hit just 206 had just a 72 WRC plus like despite being the super utility the bat just wasn't there he would have been intriguing for the O's in camp but just would have been much more of a depth piece and with all the infielders the O's have, all the hitters they have, it's not a, a super crushing loss. Again, Peyton Burdick was a hitter too, but Burdick's upside way, way higher than Castillo. Not really super concerned about losing him, but I, I just think it's funny. I hosted five days a week, basically daily Orioles podcast. I talk about every single roster move they make and because the claim and then the DFA happened so quickly, the first time of talking about him is when the Orioles are getting him off the roster. That's how quick it was. And that is what this roster churn at the bottom of the 40 man is looking like right now for the Orioles. But then you think, oh, wait, they claimed Castillo on Friday. The 40 man was full then. Who did they DFA? Well, they DFA'd Levon Soto to make room for Castillo. Soto, another younger 23-year-old left-handed hitting, light-hitting infielder who the O's had claimed off waivers from the Angels a couple of weeks ago. Another interesting guy who can play multiple positions, the infield and the outfield. Again, you know, can hit a little bit in the minors, hasn't done it much in the majors with the Angels and just has no power. He was another guy who, you know, might have had a chance to show something but was really never going to find his spot on this roster. Someone I did actually get to talk about on one episode uh, before he got DFA'd, but apparently the Angels missed him a lot because the Orioles DFA'd him on Friday and on Sunday the Angels claimed him right back 
on waivers. So he is back in Anaheim with the Halos. And they're the team that's already given him a chance in the big league. So hopefully uh, he gets that chance again with the Angels. But that was the roster churn. Peyton Burdick, Diego Castillo, and Levon Soto are out for now. Remember, Burdick and Castillo still could pass through waivers and stick with the Orioles organization. And then in the two relievers, the lefty Matt Crook and the righty Caleb Ort. If you ask me right now, I'd say Ort doesn't even make it to mid-March with the Orioles roster. And Crook, I'll say he sticks with the O's and pitches out of the O's bullpen at some point in 2024. But that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked on Orioles YouTube page. We are very, very close to 6,000 YouTube subscribers. Once we get there, we're going to do a very, very fun giveaway here on the YouTube channel. All you have to do to enter is be subscribed to the pod on YouTube, so make sure to do that. Also, leave a five-star rating and a review if you can on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Unless there's big spring training news, we will be back tomorrow continuing our roster preview series. Now, we already previewed the starting pitchers and the bullpen. That preview already looks different because I did it before the Bradish and Means injury news. But tomorrow we move to the bullpen, even with Joey Ortiz out of the picture. How in the world will the Orioles sort out this infield for next season? It's going to be very, very interesting to watch throughout spring training. How does Jackson Holiday factor into this? Can Jorge Mateo and Ramon Arias keep their spots? When does Kobe Mayo get a chance? And so many more questions for the Orioles infield. We will parse through it all coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.